0: you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. We're starting a new series today. It's called Grateful, and perhaps as we lead into Thanksgiving that our hearts will be full of God's grace and that we will be grateful heard a story maybe you heard it before guy was in a pet store and he was looking for a pet for his family and he was looking at the dogs and he looked at the cats and i'm not a cat person so he looked at the dogs some more and he just couldn't make up his mind there wasn't anything screaming out that he needed to buy and and the store owner watched him for a while and he said hey do you see this old bird over here? It's a macaw. It's out of the parrot family. It's beautiful. It's colorful and it even talks. But I've had it returned several times. So I'll give it, give you a really good deal. And, and, and the guy said, well, why, have, why has it been returned? Well, it's a little cantankerous. It cusses. It's profane at times, but maybe you will be the family that this bird will connect with. And so the guy said, okay, liking a really good deal, like you know, he's a man after our own hearts, got a, got a really good deal and the bird took it home. The bird behaved really well. He'd called his wife and said, Hey, I got this macaw thing and, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. And so immediately when the wife and daughter got home, came in the door, approached the bird and the bird just went off. All kinds of profanity, cantankerous, did the same thing to his daughter. And the guy thought, well, I can't kill the bird, can't eat the bird because it wasn't big enough. What am I going to do? Because PETA will come and get me if I abuse the bird. And so you know what he did? He took it out of the cage and he put it in the freezer. And the bird cussed and it cussed and it profane and really, really loud. Like just continued on and on and on. And finally it went silent. And the guy thought, oh no, I've killed the bird. So he went and he looked, and the bird was in there just shaking. And so he got him out and put him in the cage. And the bird was very grateful for get being given a second chance, being in the in the cage. And so it behaved all nice and it was all night and it was gracious and it was kind and responded well. And so the guy before he went to bed, he he went to check on the bird, and the and, and the bird said, thank you for giving me a second chance. But I want to know what happened to the chicken, what they did so wrong. <laughs> Maybe we could be grateful without being frozen to death. Maybe. Maybe. Now, in this series, I'm going to be talking today about the harvest principle. And this is kind of a harvest month. Don't you like this time of year? I love this time of year. I got to spend all day outside. It's beautiful. But it's a little dusty for my taste. That's because the farmers are harvesting. Do you know what you call a harvest joke at this time of year? Anybody? Corny. Do you know why the uh, farmer was so upset with his combining? Let me say that again. Do you know why the farmer was so upset with his combine? Because it kept on (laughs) baling. The farmer was approached. (laughs) I love that. Oh, farmer was approaching, and he had a really good yield on his corn crop, and somebody came to him and said, man, you did a really good job as a farmer. You know how he replied? Thank you, CJ. CJ said, how? Aw, shucks. (laughs) There was this farmer, and he was (laughs) world-renowned. Hey, if they're not with you, you just keep on going. Sorry, I'm laughing at your expense. There's this farmer. Now, we're rural. We are rural west central Indiana. We're like the, you know, remember Steve Martin? We were like, we're like the armpit of Indiana. We're like the stepchild of all of Indiana. Do you realize that in Wabash Valley? I love it. I love, if you're watching online today and you're watching in the valley and you're not here, you're just missing all the heckling that I'm getting right now for my great jokes, the best jokes they've ever heard in their lives and it's still not I mean, what can I say? But, but we want to invite you in and we want you to be grateful with us and we're just so grateful that you are joining us today. One more. Let me try one more. Farmer was world-renowned. Okay? He was a wheat farmer. Just everybody wanted his wheat. And one year, he, 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 he was almost done with harvest, and he went to bed at night, and lo and behold, somebody stole all his wheat. And he called. Thank you. Let's try that. Aww. I love it when you're engaged with me like this, even though you're making fun of me. Uh, and so <laughs> he went to bed that night and he woke up. Well, I called the police, obviously reported it. And, and he got up the next morning, and you know what the headline of the newspaper was? So, Wheat thief robber head explodes. The guy, the thief's head explodes. Now, can I get another awe? You know, the guy thought about it, and you know why his head exploded? Because he had a migraine. (laughs) Okay, make fun, make fun. Now, here's the deal. At harvest time, we've got to remember something. That we are part, as human beings, we are created to be a part of God's cycle, and and harvest is a part part of his cycle, isn't it? And we we who are in the Midwest, we enjoy all four seasons. Like some of you that are Californians, you only know one season, and, and it's brown. But we enjoy all four seasons year-round, and we were kind of created for this whole harvest idea. And the closest thing that we get to harvest is actually leaf raking or leaf mulching or whatever whatever you do. And I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed in community right now, that leaves are falling and they're raking, and I, I wait for all of them to fall down. My neighbor was blowing the leaves off, and there were more to come. And maybe you've already done that. And somebody told me today that they had they had raked all their yard, and lo and behold, as soon as they turned around, all the leaf, the, the backyard was covered with leaves again. And that's part of the cycle of life. But we got to understand that that cycle was created by God for a purpose, and we were created for harvest. And so, thus, the harvest principle. And we've got to realize something, that when we read Scripture and when we understand that there's a spiritual, what do I want to say, a spiritual world that we as Christians are a part of, as well as the rest of the world, whether you recognize it or not, there, there is a spiritual aspect to all of life. And we've got to realize something about God's spiritual principles, that, that they do not change. God does not change throughout all of creation. Now this, in theological terms, is called immutability. And what that means is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just like it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18, the Hebrew writer writes it this way. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God is immutable. And and the key principle of the harvest is this, that what you've sown always determines what you reap. And guess what? If you don't sow anything, what do you reap? You don't reap anything. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he says it this way. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from The flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And the idea, the principle of harvest, is this: sow sparingly, reap sparingly; sow bountifully, reap bountifully. Now, most of us aren't a part of this harvest in the sense of that we're not farmers. In fact, when I I first started in ministry, our churches, I've always been in the Christian church for the last almost 40 years now. In fact, it'll be 40 years next year. But the first church I started, there were a lot of farmers. The second church, I didn't start, but where I started at, were a lot of farmers second church all the elders were were farmers and they were some great great guys and they 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 farmed a lot of ground. Now, in our church, I can only think of two or three farmers. The Emmerts Farm, the Casassas Farm, and Orinbot Farms. And maybe I'm missing someone who farms, but there's just not as many because farmers are, are, are farming more Anchorage, and there are fewer farmers in our population. That kind of makes sense. But at the same time, the principle of the harvest is still important for every believer. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He says, the point is this, and I find it fascinating. I even had to check out the word in the Greek, the, the point is. That's actually how point, uh, Paul was specific in his writing. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, in first service, uh, I want to say, not Jim Kisasa, but but. I can't remember his first name right now. I'm just I just missed it. Attended and I was talking about a 40 row planter. Okay? There's no such thing as a 40 row planter. There's a 24 row planter which we use predominantly around here and a 48 row planter that they predominantly use probably out Kansas and in larger areas where they they farm by the square acre. But around here is pretty much a 24 row planter. And if you think about it, let's say I, I own 10 acres of ground. I don't, but if I did, and I, I thought, well, you know what? I think I'll plant today, so I'll take a couple handfuls of seed, and I'll just throw it out on that 10-acre field. Now, that would be silly, wouldn't it? To waste all that ground, that could be so productive. But if we approach things spiritually in the same way, what, what should I do? I should find out how much seed I should use on that 10 acres of ground, and then I should get the planters, I should fill the planters, and I should put that seed out there and be generous if I want to reap a bountiful crop. And so it is in life, in everything we do, in every area of life, what we give, what we put in, is what we receive from that. That's what Scripture teaches. The Proverb writer writes this in the Old Testament in Proverbs, 11, or chapter 11, verse 25. He says, Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. In other words, according to the New American Standard Bible, the generous person, the generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. And so the idea is that when we're generous, that comes back to us out of blessing from God. I was... Painting outside all day yesterday at one of my rentals, and a neighbor came by, never met him before, and he brought out, I was, I was using a roller about this wide, little roller, and I had a little brush because I was painting in a situation where that's what was required. It's old wooden siding. And he brought over an air, airless electric power sprayer because he was concerned about me. And he thought, what's this idiot doing? I'm sure he said, thought that. He came over, and and by the way, I'd already had the power line taken down so that you wouldn't have fried chicken preacher. <laughs> and so I couldn't use it yesterday. But we had this conversation, and... We were talking construction because I have a construction background and have done construction on the side for about 25 years, and he was a roofer or is a roofer. So we were having this conversation, but I said, you know, my full-time job and full-time profession is to be the minister or senior minister of First Christian Church. He said, oh, yeah, I was a Baptist, and he named the Baptist church he was at. And he said, I got tired of it because about seven times every worship service they would make an offering appeal. And they'd pass that plate over and over again. And I said, well, hold on a second. First of all, we don't pass an offering plate. Second of all, we have boxes and if you want to give, you can give. And if you don't want to give, you don't have to give. But I said, let me just tell you this. And I preached last week, if you weren't here or if you weren't online with this, I would preach last week a sermon about just giving the opportunity to share what God has done for you. And I had that opportunity. I said, I've always tithed, I've always given, but I want to tell you this. I said, God has always been gracious and I've always received more than I've ever given to God. I said, so if you're not giving, you're missing out on what God has in store for you. And it changes dramatically and dynamically your relationship to your finances and to your spiritual walk with God. Well, he didn't care much for that. Maybe I sounded a little bit like a Baptist church to him. But you know what? He was gracious and generous to loan me that airless painter. And so I was grateful for that and that opportunity to speak for the Lord. So never pass up an opportunity to share what God has done for you. So in the idea of generosity, in the idea of sowing seed abundantly generously, we've got to think about what does that produce? And obviously it produces fruit. And Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and if you've been a believer, you should have this passage memorized. Paul writes to the Galatian church again, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Now, in my younger days, I wanted to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I wanted that to be in my life, in my character, because I knew it wasn't there, and it needed to be. And so I would pray every day, dear God, help me to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in my life. And I was looking at my fruit, and every Sunday I'd be confessing my sins of not being fruitful. Well, I had the wrong approach. I was focusing on the wrong thing. You say, well, that's a good thing to focus on the fruit of spirit. Yes, it is. But that won't necessarily produce that fruit because I can't do that on my own. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God inside of me. So where do I direct my attention to be able to bear forth fruit? And, And the other thing I was getting wrong is I wanted the fruit to be born that day. And if you think about it, when you plant an apple seed, let's say I give you an apple seed and you plant an apple seed. Apple, apple seed grows into a tree, into an apple tree, and it produces after a few years. And let's say I'm a little bit more ambitious. So I don't just plant one apple seed, but I plant all kinds of apple seeds, and so I grow all kinds of apple trees, and it be, I'm in orchard, and, but but I have a vision for orchards all over. And so I plant more and more seeds at the same time just to be efficient and to be to, to grow apples because I am impassioned about apples. And so there are orchards all over. So then what am I? I'm a Johnny Appleseed. I'm Johnny Chapman. In 1775, because he had a passion for apples. He grew up in Massachusetts, but he came to the Midwest. And in fact, some of the trees in our area are, are from those seeds, and they were harvested in the fall. Now, something you might not know about Johnny, Johnny Appleseed, if you grew up in the elementary school around here, is you heard that lore, and it was actually true. Most of it was true. He preceded the settlers that came, and he planted those orchards, but he also made a little bit of profit with those apples. And the other thing you might not know about Johnny Appleseed is some of that was made into hard cider. He was planning ahead. But we all know that, don't we? So how do we produce the fruit of spirit? If you have your Bibles, turn in John chapter 15, 5 through 8. Jesus says this to his apostles, to his disciples, and also to you. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. I want to bear fruit, don't you? Productive believer in Christ. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So where's my focus? to abide in Jesus. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned. I don't want to be an unproductive branch for Jesus. I don't want to be burnt, do you? But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done to you, done for you. By this My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. (sighs) I don't know if you know much about vineyards. I'm not a venter. Did you know that's what a vineyard farmer is called? A grape farmer is called a venter. I didn't know that. But the deal with vineyards, which Jesus is talking about in this passage, is this. That once you plant a vineyard, then you prune it for three years. You cut everything back. And even though it may produce grapes that third year, good venters don't even, they cut them back again. It's not until the fourth season does the vineyard produce the grapes For the wine. And then it might take seven or eight years for that wine to age. In fact, a vineyard may not be profitable until year 15 or 18. It takes time to produce the character of Christ abiding in Him. Notice in John 15, 10 and 11, how do we abide in him? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. The commands are meant to guide us into abiding in him and his love. But it's more about a relationship than it is about rules and laws. It's more about a relationship with him that changes us from the inside out. It's an opportunity, not an obligation. And then he says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, God wants us to be fulfilled in this life and to have that love and joy and peace But it's only through abiding in Jesus. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And if the work that anyone has built on a foundation survives, on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will not be saved, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So there's a purifying process and only what is eternal for the Lord is going to last. And we have got to realize that relationships we have and what we store in heaven is what we will have there. And, and Jesus says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I, I, I would not have told you I go to prepare a place for you. John 14. He's saying, basically, there's a place, but you're building that place here on earth in doing what God calls you to, calls you to do. So how do we live out these principles? How do we live them out? First of all, So generously, not sparingly, in every facet of your life, physically, mentally, socially, relationally, financially, so generously, overseed rather than to underseed. Number two, never give up in doing good. You remember the Winston Churchill speech, only 15 words, and you remember what they are? Never give up, never give up, never give up, never give up, never give up. Keep planting, keep sowing, keep going and doing good for other people. Never, ever give up. I read this in a daily devotion this last week. Paul writes Titus, one of his mentees, and he says he gave his life, talking about Jesus, to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. You were created to be in relationship with Jesus forever. So he he has done all this totally committed. We are to be totally committed to doing good, to doing good deeds that God might be glorified, that people might be drawn to Jesus Christ. And number three is to be patient. Now, that's hard to do, isn't it? We don't live in a patient culture. We live in a culture that is impatient. And when we have opportunity to be patient, maybe in a line, maybe as we're being served in a restaurant, wherever we are, maybe it's stuck in traffic and you have road rage. Maybe that's an opportunity to abide in Christ and to produce that patience in us. But realize this, the spiritual harvest will come. If we continue planting and taking care of the crop, that harvest will come. But it's only because of God. It's only because of God. Because God will give the increase. Do you believe that? Amen. God will give the increase. I have a challenge for you this week, and I would challenge you to do this for the whole series. But maybe a ch- challenge to, to do this for the rest of your life. But for at least the next seven days, try a gratitude journal for seven days to, to thank God specifically for one thing in your life, and that be your overriding thing in your life that day that you were thankful for as you approached the whole day. It might be for breathing and being alive. That's simple. It might be for something you've received from Him that you know, maybe family, your spouse, your friends. Maybe it's something else in your life. But each day, start today being grateful. And remember the harvest principle. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we just pray that we would sow abundantly, that we would plant, Father, and overplant in such a way in our lives that you would be glorified and that we would be setting up in heaven things that will last through the fire, that, that our eternal reward would be great because of the opportunities that you give us to lay up things for us in heaven. And, Father, that may may sound greedy, but as we have the opportunity to serve, as we have the opportunity to give, that, Father, you would be glorified. And, Father, it's not a work, but it's out of grace for what you have given that we have received. And, Father, I just pray just now because some don't know your grace. Some don't know your goodness. Some have never received the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that transforms our lives from the inside out. Some can't abide because they don't know Jesus. And we just pray, Father, that you would do your work through your Holy Spirit just now. Father, for us that know, help us not to take it for granted. That, Father, we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit as it moves in our midst, in our lives. That we would be prepared to do every good work, work that you set before us. That you would be glorified. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?